Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Basically, Paul is telling us as believers, that you must understand that in this world that you are in, there is an ongoing battle that is going on, an ongoing fight, an ongoing battle that is going on, and this battle predates you. It predates each and every one of us. It's been going on before we came into existence. And the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12, Revelation 12, reading from 7, the Bible tells us there, it said that there was war in heaven. Michael and his angel fought against the dragon and his angels, and they prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. The old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels with him. In other words, this particular battle that is raging in the world right now has started all the way back in the heaven. The Bible says that Satan was so determined to overthrow God that he lost the battle and was cast into this earth. And because he was cast into this earth, there is an anger that he walks with. And Paul is trying to let us know that as believers, this particular war is still going on. It doesn't matter whether you know about it or you don't know. It doesn't matter whether you are aware of it or you are not aware of it. The battle is going on and Satan is determined to fight to the very end. And as believer, you must know that there is an ongoing battle. Paul is telling us, number two, that as a believer, you must understand that this ongoing battle is not optional. It's not something that I say, okay, well, I'm not disturbing the devil, so the devil should not disturb me. It doesn't work like that. The devil is the person that I refer to as a non-discriminatory enemy. It doesn't care whether you're white or black, whether you're tall or short, fat or thin, good looking or not good looking. It doesn't matter. Satan does not discriminate. He fights everybody equally. And that's what Paul is trying to let us understand. That there's this ongoing battle. There is no demilitarized zone. You cannot stay in one place and say, well, I'm not disturbing the devil, so the devil cannot disturb me. It doesn't work like that. As long as you are in this world, you are engaged in the battle. He fought the Lord. He will definitely fight you. Number three. Paul is telling us from that verse of the scripture that we read, as believers, we must understand the nature of the battle that we are involved in. He's saying that this particular battle is not physical. This battle is a spiritual battle. He said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. In other words, you are not fighting human beings. You are fighting a spiritual entity. And you must understand, though Satan uses physical means, but his battle is mainly a spiritual battle. There is always a spirit behind every action that we consider the work of the enemy. Satan uses spiritual agents. He uses his demons to influence individuals to carry out his purposes. 
And you must understand that. So that you are not fighting a human being, you are fighting the powers behind that human being. The power that is influencing that human being. Paul is telling us that the battle we are fighting is spiritual in nature. And then number four, Paul is telling us that we must understand that this spiritual battle is against highly sophisticated, highly placed spiritual powers. He's saying that we are up against very powerful, very wicked and wicked entities. He said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So when you see wickedness, these are personalities that are the embodiment of wickedness. So these are the things that you are fighting. But Paul did not stop there. Paul now says that since this fight is the reality in which many of us are living in, since we are fighting a powerful spiritual wicked forces, he said for us not to become casualties. So that you don't end up a victim of the war that you do not know anything about. Paul is saying that you must be battle conscious and you must be battle ready. As a believer. So that you do not end up being a casualty. So that you do not become a victim of war. So that you do not become somebody that has been taken captive. Paul is saying you must make sure that you are battle conscious and you are battle ready. Verse number 13. Paul the apostle said. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand in the evil days. You need to be conscious of the battle. You need to be ready of the battle. You need to be conscious because if, if you are not conscious that there is a battle going on, you will not inform yourself. If you don't know that there is something else going on, you will not find out information about it. And if you do not find out information about your enemy, you can never be prepared or ready to fight that enemy. How can you fight an enemy that you don't even know exists? How can you fight somebody who you don't know is even fighting you? So he's saying, number one, you should be conscious. And consciousness brings readiness. Readiness makes sure that you are properly equipped. And when you are properly equipped, you will not become a casualty of war. But when you don't know, you cannot be ready. When you are not ready, you cannot be properly equipped. When you are not properly equipped, you will definitely become a casualty of war. And that's why the Bible tells us in First Peter. First Peter chapter 5, reading from verse number 8. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, the enemy that you are fighting does not take sabbatical. The enemy that you are fighting does not take rest. The enemy that you are fighting does not begin to declare a moratorium and say, okay, I'm not fighting this week. Next week, I'm going to fight you. No, he's constantly fighting. And Peter is now telling us, so that you don't end up a victim, so that you don't become a casualty, so that you don't become somebody that the enemy will take captive. He said, be sober, be vigilant, be watchful. Make sure that you are watching whatever is going on around you so that you don't become a prey in the hand of your enemy. That's why Jesus said, watch and pray. Make sure you are sober and you are vigilant so that you do not become one of the people that the enemy will take advantage of. For us not to become a casualty of war. For us not to become a prey in the hands of the enemy. Paul is telling us, make sure you are battle conscious. Make sure you are battle ready. The unfortunate thing is that in the church of the living God, there are many people who have become victims of the activities of the enemy. 
The enemy has robbed them of their joy, robbed them of their family, robbed them of their promotion, robbed them of all that the Lord has promised them. Many have become victims because either they refuse to fight or they don't even know that there is a war going on or they are just ignorant to the point that they think that they are exempt from war. Especially in the church, you see a lot of lives are being wasted by the enemy. And we all believe that, yes, it is the work of God. God, The Bible says God does not tempt us with evil. So you find out that because of either we do not know there is a battle, or we have been convinced that we are exempt from that battle, a lot of us have now become the victims and casualties of war. But if you are going to possess your possession this year, if you are going to move from where we are to where we need to be, as individuals, as family, and as a church, we must, we must understand and prepare ourselves for the things that God wants to give to us by fighting and engaging the enemy. You must be willing to fight. You must be able to fight. No, there are many who are uncomfortable when they hear the word spiritual warfare. Even there are some theologies that even don't even want to hear the idea because they believe that, yes, once you are saved, Christ has taken care of it, you don't need to fight any more devils. Agreed. But the Bible tells us in Matthew eleven twelve, 12, it says from the days of John the Baptist up until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now, if the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, 12, that for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3, we say, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. For the weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. If the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Verse number 12, that we should fight the good fight of faith. We should take hold of eternal life for which you are called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. If the Bible is saying all that, my brothers and sisters, you should pay attention to spiritual warfare. That means spiritual warfare is real. The Bible talks about it. Jesus talked about it. Consistent testimony of the apostles talked about it. We should pay attention to it. So you see, if the believer does not want to be a casualty of war, if you don't want to be a prey in the hands of the enemy, we must, we must be engaged in spiritual warfare. The question is, what is this thing that is called spiritual warfare? What is it? Spiritual warfare is basically the struggle between two opposing forces, two opposing spiritual entities. That's basically what it is. Spiritual warfare is the ongoing battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the devil. It is the battle for the souls of men. It is the battle for the control of the eternal destiny of men. For us believers, uh, to be able to engage in spiritual warfare, we are required to be able to make available, make good use, uh, and leverage everything that God has made available for us in his world against all the opposition of hell. Or against his plan and purpose for our lives. When you are going to engage in spiritual warfare, God has made all sorts of provision. If we are going to make sure that you don't end up as a casualty of war that has been going on before we came into the scene, if you don't want to be a victim, you are required to leverage all the provisions that God has made available for us so that you can counter everything the enemy throws at you. Most of the time, the enemy throws things to us in our thoughts, throws it to us in the family. You must take advantage of all the resources that God has made available for us so that you can counter the enemy in every way. The question is, as a believer, 
Why must you engage in that spiritual warfare? That is the main question. There are many people who say, yes, the enemy is operating, but why do I have to be engaged? Psalm 144. Bible tells us in verse 1, it says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hand for war and my fingers for battle. Why would the Lord take the time to train you, train your hand for war and your fingers for battle? Is it for you to just look at it and say, how beautiful my hands are, they know how to fight? No. It's not for you to just continue to admire your ability to do whatever you are doing or, you know, swinging your sword in the air. The intention is to be able to make sure that certain things must be accomplished in your life. He said, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hand for war and my fingers for battle. Why does the Lord Almighty do it? If you look at verse number 12, he said that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. That our daughters may be as pillars sculptured in a palace style. That our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce. That our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our field. That is why the Lord is training you for battle. That is why the Lord is saying, I'm equipping you. So that certain things can begin to materialize in your life. I'm equipping you so that you begin to see the results of the promises that I've made unto you. Here the psalmist is telling us, the first reason why a believer must fight, must be engaged in spiritual warfare, is because there is a need for us to subdue the opposition of hell. Look at Psalm 144 verse 2. He said, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. The reason why you are supposed to engage is so that you can subdue the opposition of hell. So that you do not become a victim in the hands of the enemy. So that the enemy does not take advantage of you. So that the enemy does not kick you like a football and toss you the way he wants. Number two, why do you fight? We fight because the need for the rescuing and the delivering of our soul from the hands of the enemy. Look at verse number seven and eight. It says, such to stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of the great waters from the hands of foreigners whose mouth speak lying words, whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood. The reason you fight is for to be rescued and to be delivered. The intention of hell is to be able to lock people down. Look at that woman that came to Lord Jesus Christ and touched the hem of his garment. The Bible says that for 12 years this woman kept going up and down. The enemy has locked her down. And what did he do? He said there was continuous flow in her body. And as soon as she touched the hem of the garment of the Almighty God, the Lord Almighty broke it because that spiritual power was released. And she was rescued and delivered. There was another woman that came to Lord Jesus Christ. She was tied and she could not stand up straight. And Jesus recognized it. He said, this daughter of Abraham that has been tied down. And what happened? Because of the power of God to be able to rescue and to deliver, what happens? She was set free. We fight so that we can be rescued. We fight so that we can be delivered. We fight so that we can begin to enjoy the freedom that God has made available unto us. Number three, we fight so that we can secure the future of the next generation. The future of our children. I want you to understand one thing. The Bible makes us to understand that David was a man of war. He fought all sorts of war to the point that when he was ready to build the temple, the Lord said, no, I don't want you building the temple because you are a man of blood. You fought so much war. But if you read the whole account of scripture, there was another man called Solomon, his son. Solomon did not even pick up a wooden sword. I'm sure he didn't even practice anything. Why? Because the father had fought all the war for him. 
And Solomon lived a life of prosperity. He lived a life of abundance. He lived a life of peace throughout all his reign. Not a single war came to his border. Why? Because his father fought all the wars for him. My brothers and sisters, if we are going to secure the future of our children, you have to engage in spiritual battle. Because if you don't engage in spiritual battle, the battles that you fought, God forbid that your children will fight the same battles. And that's why you see that the same pattern exists in families. The thing that the father struggled with is exactly the same thing that the son is struggling with. The thing that the mother struggled with is exactly the same thing that the daughters are struggling with. You see that there's this transgenerational issue that keeps going from one family to the other. One family to the other. Because nobody was willing to say enough. This thing will not progress beyond this. So why do we fight? We fight so that we can secure the future generation. And that's what the psalmist said. Look at verse number 12 of Psalm 144. He said that our sons may be plants grown up in their youths. That our daughters may be as pillars captured in a palestine. That means they are secured. Nothing moves them. When you have fought the right battles, when you have won the right battles, your sons and your daughters will not start from where you are starting from. Your sons and your daughters will not go through the same pain and hardship. Your sons and your daughters will not be under the same subjection of the devil. But if we refuse to fight, if you refuse to pray the prayer that you are supposed to pray now, you refuse to fast and do what you are supposed to do now, you refuse to educate yourself and improve yourself and to equip yourself, you will find out that the things you don't want to see in the life of your children will repeat themselves again. Because unless you put an end to it, it keeps going. It keeps going. And David said, you are the one that taught my hands to war and my fingers to fight. And you did this to deliver me. You did this to rescue me. You did this to subdue the opposition of the devil. But most importantly, you did it to secure my future generations. So that my sons and my daughters will not be hiding in caves and running up and down. Number four, the psalmist is telling us that we fight to be able to secure our own prosperity. So that we ourselves will not eat our bread in affliction. We will not eat our bread on a bed of sorrows. We will not eat our bread being fed through the tube or, or walking through a particular solitary confinement when we have been locked up somewhere. No. The psalmist said we fight so that we can secure our prosperity. Verse number 13 says, so that our bonds may be full. That's why we fight. So that whatever you bring home, the devourer and the wasters will not be able to touch it. So that our bonds may be full, supplying all kinds of produce. That our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our field. That there will be productivity. As long as the hand of the enemy is stayed over your life, you will find out that whatever you lay your hands upon prospers. Is it the people who are working and not being able to get these things together? Is it because they are lazy? No. Some of these people are very, very hard working. But they cannot account for the money that they make. Why? Because the spirit of the wasters and the devourers is an operation in their lives. The psalmist is saying, you fight to be able to secure your prosperity. And finally, the psalmist is saying that you fight to be able to secure your divine portion. What God has spoken concerning you, you fight to be able to bring those things to pass. So that our oxen may be well laden. That there will be no breaking in and or out. That there will be no outcry in our streets. There will be no distress. 
there will be no way that you are beginning to wonder, oh Lord, where are you? No. When you fight, the Lord will secure your portion. He will release that portion. But those things become a mirage when you do not know how to fight. The question then is, how do you do this fight? How do we fight to secure our divine portion? We all know that fasting and prayer is basic. You cannot get anything unless you are willing to fight. You cannot get anything unless you are willing to pray. You cannot get anything unless you are willing to engage that prayer with all the necessary spiritual disciplines that goes with it. But beyond fasting and prayer, you must understand that a man who will fight and fight successfully is a person who fights with the knowledge of the word of God. The Bible says that true knowledge shall the just be delivered. Proverbs 11 verse 9. True knowledge shall the just be delivered. It's not just fasting. It's not just praying. But you pray with knowledge of the word of God. You know exactly the provisions that God has made available for you. And you take hold of that provision when you go to battle. Number two, you fight with wisdom. Psalm 109 verse 98 says, Though you, through your commandment, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. You know that there's a war always going on. And for you to win, you don't just fight with somebody who doesn't have any common sense. You fight with wisdom. Many of us know the story about the East-West block, Cold War era in the world. How was the war fought? It was fought with wisdom. People were not shooting at each other. But they were doing some strategy. There was intelligence. There was so many things going on. There was a lot of wisdom involved. If you are going to fight the devil and to win, if you are going to be engaged in spiritual warfare, you need to fight with wisdom. I tell people I don't fight unnecessary battle. There are certain things that you have no business doing. Just keep your mouth shut and walk away from it. You choose the battles you want to fight. The Bible says, by your commandment, you have made me wiser than my enemy. When you are wiser than your enemy, the enemy keeps looking at you and they don't know how to deal with you. The way we fight, number one, we fight with knowledge. Number two, we fight with wisdom. Number three, you fight with instructions. Psalm 32 verse 8 tells us, I will instruct thee. I will teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide you with my own eyes. The Bible tells us there was a king that was going to battle with three kings. Jehoshaphat. And as he was going, the man was so confused, he didn't know what to do. He asked the Lord, he said, how do you fight this battle? The Lord said, just go. And the instruction was that take all the nice, beautiful worship singers that you have, let them sing praise. That was the instruction for that particular battle. Not every battle requires you to sing praises. There was a particular instruction that the Lord gave to Joshua. He said, all you have to do is march around this particular place. Don't say a word, just march around it. Seven days. And on the seventh day, march around it seven times. And just shout hallelujah and the walls will come down. That was the instruction for that battle. There are several instructions. For Gideon, he said, I don't want 30,000 people. I only need 300 people. And all you have to do is just light a particular lantern. Hold it and shout. The sword of Gideon. And that was it. So if you are going to fight and to win, the Bible says we are fighting spiritual entities. So you cannot use your own head. You have to rely on the strategy of the world that knows the end from the very beginning. And that's why you fight with instruction. So when the Lord tells you, rise up and pray, you rise up and pray. When the Lord tells you, all I want you to do now is just to praise me, you praise him. Because you are fighting with instruction. 
But when you fight with your own understanding, you'll find that you're going to be limited. Not only that, you fight with the word of God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 tells us, it said, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Bible tells us in John 1, Gospel of John, it said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Even the glory of the only begotten son. He now said that as many who have believed him, he gave them the power to become the son of God. Which means as soon as you take the word of God, the power of God is released into your situation. And that's why when you are fighting, you take the word of God and release it into that particular situation. Because God will never deny his words. Say, heaven and earth will pass away. But one jot of his word will never go unfulfilled. Say, I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous physical seeds begging bread. The Lord God Almighty is not a man that he should lie or that he should repent. Whatever he said, he will do, he will do it. And that is why when you are fighting, in the spiritual warfare, you have to engage his word because he will never deny his word. And then when you fight also, you fight with faith. Ephesians 6.16 tells us, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherein you are able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. In other words, as you are fighting, the enemy is a master strategist. The enemy's master at deceiving. He begins to throw darts of deception, darts of discouragement, darts of doubt. He begins to throw all sorts of things at you. Unless your faith is grounded in the word of God that you are using, you are going to be discouraged. You will begin to doubt what you are doing. You begin to wonder, is this thing even happening? But that's why the Paul the Apostle will say, if you go into this battle, go with faith. Because that is the shield that protects you from whatever the enemy is going to throw at you. If the shield of faith is not there, you can quote all the scriptures and then you doubt it. There are people who do it in the church. Oh Lord, bless me. Oh Lord, heal me. And then they turn around. Ah, this sickness is going to be the one that will kill them. You are doing two things at the same time. You are praying the word of God, but there is no shield of faith to defend from what the enemy is shooting at you. So there has to be fighting with faith. And the confidence that we have is that when you are doing all this fight, God has assured us victory. And that is what it tells us in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Whosoever is born of God overcomes this world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. As long as you believe in him, you have victory already. So we fight with the assurance that God has already given us a victory because he will fight for us and he will fight with us to be able to destroy the enemy of our soul. For anyone who wants to fight... So that they can receive their divine portion. There are some battles that you must fight and you must win. And those battles are found in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. The first battle that you fight is called the efficient battle. The efficient battle is what is referred to as the battle for lifelong commitment and the preservation of your love for God. Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 2 verse 4. It said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left your first love. You cannot fight and defeat the enemy if your love for God is wavering. One day you are in, tomorrow you are out. You are one leg in and you are one leg out. As long as your commitment to the Almighty God is not steady, as long as your commitment to the Almighty God is shaky, you will find that the battle will be very difficult. And the man or the woman who is able to fight and win the battle of commitment is the man and the woman who is able to secure his divine portion from the Almighty God. So you must fight and win the Ephesian battle. Number two, you must fight and win this manner battle. 
The Smyrna battle is the battle for faithfulness. Faithfulness to the Almighty God. Faithfulness to the Word of God. Faithfulness to the promise of God. Faithfulness to the things that God has instructed you to do. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation chapter 2 verse 10. It says, For fear none of these things which thou hast suffered. Behold, the devil will cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, that you shall have tribulation ten days. But be thou faithful unto death, I will give thee a crown of life. The enemy's plan is for us to be unfaithful. Look at what he did to Job. He said, curse God and die. He wants to break the integrity and the faithfulness of Job to the Almighty God. The enemy's intention is to make us unfaithful to God's plan and for us to make us unfaithful to our pursuit of God's purpose for our life. Because he knows, as soon as you become unfaithful, God is not committed to you. But when you are faithful, God is committed to his word to you. But the thing is that a believer who is able to fight and to win the battle of faithfulness is the believer that can access and secure the portion that God has in store for him. So faithfulness is key. You have to fight and win that battle of faithfulness. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.